as Steve Harvey would say, we got a good one for you today, folks. Um, it's gonna be it's a it's a peach. Um, Courtney Campbell making her third appearance. Wow. You know, I just think that's wonderful. I mean, for anyone to care enough to do this at all, let alone three times, is beyond me. So, Courtney is fantastic. She's a great person, great friend. Um, and, and now, yeah, she's back. Um, we are doing top five movies um, that were released in the late 80s slash early 90s. Very broad. Um, and my favorite movies change on the on the daily so keep in, keep that in mind also we recorded this back in like january so this everything is everything could be different now i don't fully remember my five choices um but i would probably stand by them i'm sure and i'm sure courtney would too but yeah just keep that in mind when things we talk about you know might be a little bit dated because uh i had the bright idea of recording a whole bunch of podcasts and the span of like two weeks instead of spreading them out so now there's a backlog and we have a january episode coming up now um, but Courtney was great, ever so patient with me in uploading it. Um, and Courtney, thank you so much. Uh, definitely, um, check out her photography Instagram through Court's Eyes. Um, lots of great pictures, some Disney ones in there, some, like, just regular Florida ones. She's got a, through Court's Eyes, she's got a great eye, um, for pictures. Um, so definitely give that a follow. It's super good. Um, you know, everyone's got something, like, Everyone who comes on the show has got a little bit of something. Like, Pappy Malcolm has spoilers, so that's a good podcast. Hector has his podcast uh, um, called... Uh, Hector, I keep... I always want to call Hector's podcast Serving Up Smiles because that's the name that I um, suggested for it. But uh, it's... Let's Try Again. That's what it's called. Try Again. Or Just Try Again. No, Let's Try Again. It's called... Try It's like... Let's... I think, I don't know, Let's Try Again slash Try Again. It's a great podcast. Um, I've linked to it before. Um, and, you know, Mitch has his Imagined with Walt thing on Instagram, which shows Disney little Disney facts. Sam has his Twitch. Sam on the Sticks. April has a Twitch as well. Give that a follow. She hasn't been on the podcast, but, you know, April's a good person. Um, everyone's got Everyone's got something. And I like to promote everyone's things. Kate's Kate's blog, Kate Trust and Pixie Dust. Um Zev, he wrote for the Mickey Mindset. Love Zev. Zev's a great guy. Um yeah, everyone's Joey's thing. Don't forget about Joey's thing. Joey uh go to Bucked Up and use the code JBait sixteen to get twenty percent off your purchase. Ooh, I've got that memorized, baby. Yeah, so just, you know, giving everyone a shout out. But definitely make sure Courtney's Instagram. That's priority number one because Courtney's on this episode and we love Courtney. Um, she's a friend of the pod. Welcome back whenever she wants. Um, and yeah, we're talking movies from the 80s and 90s. Courtney is definitely a cinephile who loves a lot of different... Like, she she was on the Judy Garland Wizard of Oz episode that we did, and she loves Judy Garland, obviously. I mean, if you listen to any Courtney episodes, you'll know that. If you know Courtney even a little bit, you know that. Um, and Judy's great, obviously. And so now, but we're talking, like, Judy Garland didn't really make any movies in the 80s and 90s, so we're doing it a little differently now. We're going to talk about, like, some John Hughes, maybe some Bill Goldman, Rob Reiner stuff. Mm, pretty good. I think it's worth a listen. I hope you enjoy. Um, I hope everyone is healthy and well. Um, I know that's the cliche to do in the podcast intro, is to be like, hope this message finds you in good health. Like, we get it. 
we get it. There's a pandemic going on. We we understand that everyone's fighting for rights right now. We get it. A lot is going on. Everyone is doing their best. So just keep doing your best. And I love you all. And it's June. And we're alive on this planet. How lucky we are to be so. Let's And let's just keep it rolling. You know? If I upload an episode in July and in August, I'll have rec- I'll have officially had an episode in every month of the year. So, that's irrelevant to what I was just talking about, but I felt like mentioning it anyway. But listen, don't... It's okay. The intro is over now, and just enjoy the great voice of Courtney Campbell, because she's the best, and that's what we're doing today. It's what we're talking. Thank you very much, Courtney, for being here. You are fantastic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back again. We are doing a a great lot of a lot of movie topics on the podcast, and this one this one is a great one. Uh, and I'm ex- it's uh, movies from the late eighties, late nineteen eighties, kind of early nineteen nineties era. And joining me to count it down, the returning for her second time, the Honorable Courtney Campbell. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Um, it's a great pitch, I think, that you came up with was these movies um, to honor a very specific era in filmmaking. Uh, what made you think of it? Um, I'm, one of my best friends and I are very, like, filmatic type people. And thinking back, these movies were not as appreciated during their actual time, whereas they're very well appreciated during, like, our generations and they're played consistently and they're considered the top movies to this day and you'll start seeing like merchandise from them now but you didn't see merchandise for them back when they were actually in theaters and stuff that's very true um <clears throat> i think i've gotten many uh t-shirts in in the past for christmas and for birthdays regarding some of these movies uh and you know yeah it's good um the late 80s early 90s I took it to mean like I I kind of had to set a parameter for myself. I did strictly mm-hmm. I did eight, 1987 to 1993. Uh 1992 was my specific window. Okay. Uh that's that's how I cuz I, I I was like I was just, I was I was filled up with so many movies. Um <laughs> I mean I kind of did the same. I did 85 to 95 cuz that's a good 10 years of Yeah. It's a solid solid decade. Yeah, a solid decade. Well, I will get right into it, and we can go back and forth, uh, and uh, my number five is a classic that I just watched um, for the holiday season. I watch it every year for Christmas. Uh, we do a thing we set up uh, the day after Thanksgiving. We'll decorate our house with all of our Christmas decorations, and then we'll eat some Thanksgiving leftovers and watch Christmas Vacation from National Lampoon. Um Oh, I love that movie. Oh, it's so great. It's a. Uh, it was kind of hard. Like I was, I debated if I should put it over some of the movies that are like in my honorable mentions. But I was like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so funny and it makes me happy. So I should put it in the top five because that's what it's all about. And it's like it's not. It's like the, it's just just Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold doing a sequel to Vacation. Just to, he's just trying to make a perfect Christmas for his family, and that's really the only point of the movie. And the rest of it's just for laughs and there's so many great like yeah. cousin Eddie is great in it um yeah just it's a it's a great one every year I gotta watch it's it it's a great one I watch it every Christmas it's a tradition for my family as well to watch every Christmas 
because it kills us because it's honestly what putting together a holiday really is it's stressful absolutely things can get south quick and it can turn even the best people into raging monsters because it's just so stressful <laughs> yeah he he does a great job of the of uh, playing that slow uh mental breakdown or eventually he's <laughs> running around the house with a chainsaw and it's perfect fix the lamppost <laughs> Uh, Christmas vacation is great. Um, shout out to the holidays, which are 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 no longer with us. Um, yeah, they just ended. <laughs> it's very sad. Um, but what do you have as your number five movie? My number five, and my dad killed me for it. My number five would be Back to the Future. Ah. Which is number one. Um, it's my number five. I grew up watching Martin McFly, so I I watched all three of them. But because Back to the Future is strictly from 1985, I will put that as in the category for it um i just love the, the whole space travel thing they had going on there and i think so time travel thing that going on there from literally going to 2016 and only like a few things were actually true all the way back to like the 18-1900s and they even turned the train into a time machine like i found it funny found it witty and i mean even today they have rick and morty which is kind of basically a um parody off of um, Back to the Future because it's an old man scientist with his teenage mentee. Yeah, it's a it's a great pick. Um, there's a couple film critics that I follow along with and they they are of the mind that like in terms of like movies that they enjoy that uh, Back to the Future is like the greatest one ever made. Because it's like, oh yeah, I love it. Oh, definitely. I used to have a ride. Yes. I used to have a ride. <laughs> I missed the ride. I never got to go on the ride. I I was too young. I think I only ever know it as The Simpsons. Yeah, I went on it during like I think the last year or two of it, and then Simpsons was in its place, and I was like, I love The Simpsons too, but Marvel Fly has a special place in my heart. It's and it really is just such a it's so perfectly plotted and like it it comes up basically with how we think of time travel and yeah exactly it like floating cars and stuff yeah it's really great um I always really enjoy uh just the fun like they like it's obviously like this whole narrative and it's like kind of like scary at times like you don't know if they're gonna make it and but there's also like a lot of fun that they have with it I really enjoy the whole sequence where he's playing. Uh, Chuck Berry and on the stage. That's a that's that's always a, the most rewatchable scene for me. Oh yes, for sure. I love that. Regardless of how old Biff is, what version of Biff it is, he gets stuck in manure. <laughs> it's a it's a classic. It's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Biff ended up being quite a uh, prophetic character in the world. He's oh yeah. <laughs> there's so many so many Biffs in the world today. Um, there's so many tomatoes in the world today. <laughs> so many Biffs and not enough uh, Martys. Martys. <laughs> well, Back to the Future, it's a great pick. I feel like it's one of the defining 80s movies. Um, I have to go with another. Uh, for my number four, I have, an, I have one from the 80s as well. I think it's actually from the same year as Christmas Vacation, 89, I think. Um, the classic Nora Ephron, Rob Reiner romantic comedy, When Harry Met Sally. It's, oh, 
it's, yeah. it's, it's great. Um, it's, it's just so charming. Um, Billy Crystal somehow is like really believable as a romantic lead. Meg Ryan has like eight iconic scenes in it. Uh, and there's just like, it's just like the like pinnacle of rom-coms. Like it kind of set off this new era of rom-coms because of Nora Ephron and like her, mm-hmm. her kind of sensibility and, you know, just the whole speech at the end where he's like, when you know you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. It's just, it makes my heart sore every time I watch it. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It definitely change the way rom-coms are, and they definitely turn it more into more comedy, so that way people who are not into the most romantic stuff can still find enjoyment out of it. Absolutely. I do like Harry Met Sally. Probably wasn't one of my favorite rom-coms, but it is a good one. Well, I'm glad you at least have uh, the appreciation for it, for sure. I do have appreciation for it. What's your number four, if it's not When Harry Met Sally? My number four, and I was I kept going back and forth on it if I wanted to make it number three or not, but I'm going to make it number four. It's going to be the 1993 Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh. I love Robin Williams. Mrs. Doubtfire is a classic. It's hilarious. But it's, it's going to just have to sit at my number four. It's a good pick. Um, you yeah, know. like it's in the top five. Yeah, like not. I mean, for ten years of movies to be number four, it's pretty good, uh, and it's like one of the defining Robin Williams, one of the great actors. He's amazing, uh, mm-hmm. and I always felt like it was one of those movies. Like as a kid, you can appreciate like the fun of it all, but like the older you get, the more you see like the divorce story behind it and how like strong that is. Yeah, I watched that. I actually watched it the other day, and. Like, I really, really realized how, like, the divorce was actually taking a toll. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a little bit more dark than <laughs> I remember. Absolutely. It's, um, it's got those streaks to it where, like, it's, like, s- sort of influenced by Kramer versus Kramer to an extent. Yeah. But yeah. it was, like, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter how it has Kramer Kramer in it. And, like, the whole concept is this man's doing whatever he can for his kids. Yeah. It's wholesome. It's all, it's all, it's wholesome. It's it's like a pair. It's a comedy based off of like Mary Poppins or something. And this yeah. old nanny supposed to be watching over children in disguise as the dad. Have you ever seen Arrested Development? Once. <laughs> There's uh, a <laughs> one of the characters tries to do that with his daughter, the whole Mrs. Doubtfire, and he goes as Mrs. Featherbottom, mm-hmm. um, and and he ends up like falling off the banister or something, and it just it always makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, I once, um, back in the day when I didn't have any money because I was a child and I would get Christmas gifts for my family, I would usually have to just get, like, movies from the cheap dollar bin or whatever, and that's what mm-hmm. I got. I got Mrs. Doubtfire for my brother one year. That's my strongest memory of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> I just remember, I remember putting it on VHS because my family had VHS for the longest time. We still have some of them. And I just remember if it was rainy or something, we would pop mrs doubtfire and that's what we would watch that's a great memory yeah well mrs doubtfire it's great um for my number three i'm gonna keep my romance theme going after when harry met sally i'm gonna throw in it's less of a rom-com more of a rom and if you want to call a romantic animated movie that um Mm -hmm. it's beauty and the beast 1991 uh yeah i mean 
during this period the ballroom scene the ballroom scene and like i really went back and forth i was like i could really make this top five all disney movies if i wanted to um (laughs) but i decided to limit myself to one you know like aladdin mermaid lion king i was like oh these are all so good but beauty and the beast has always been my favorite of those like renaissance kind of movies and Mm-hmm. just i just it's just perfect i mean i don't know i don't really know what can be said about it that hasn't already been said but it just makes me it makes me so happy the music is fantastic um there's I was like gaston it's like it's a villain song but like it's like it's not like dour or at all it's very a beat bell is a great scene setter uh the beauty and the beast song of course uh be our guest is fantastic and i love the the ewan mcgregor rendition as well the whole movie is just it's like hour 20 hour 30 something like that and in every second there's not a second of it wasted it's just perfect and i've heard all the stockholm syndrome uh uh analysis as well i get where they're coming from but uh i definitely just find myself watching the movie with pure love in my eyes yeah it's 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 a great movie it's one of my favorites i love the fact that she was already spit out from the rest because she was basically the only one in the village she knew how to read. <laughs> it was very smart, very intelligent, and I appreciate that because we, because I, as an English major, like, please give me more book characters, <laughs> please. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Like she's easily my favorite princess just because of like the mutual uh, love for books that I share with her. Back in uh, was wonderful <laughs> during the DCP, my. My goal, my like, my literal like only goal was to meet Belle, and I went to. I thought she met in Princess Fairytale Hall, but I guess by the time I got there, that had changed, and so I was like, "Oh well, she has this like enchanted tales with Belle thing. I'll do that." Mm-hmm. But then they don't, they don't let the uh, the twenty year old people who are there alone take a picture with her. And I was like, "Damn, I didn't get to meet Belle." Unless so, you were a knight. Yeah, I, and I was not, unfortunately. Uh, although <laughs> perhaps I should have been. Um, so then I was like, "All right, well, I'll go." I'll go meet her um, in France at Epcot. And I went there, and it started raining, and they were like, oh, Belle won't be outside today. She And, <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> like, two months. And then I I met Gaston before I met Belle, but then finally I was able to meet Belle, and it was very triumphant. She's a lot of fun to work with. I do have fun working with her. She's very pure. Even her voice actress when she was doing the arts festival because she does her own paintings. Yes. You can meet her. Um, I was a photographer one day and she was just so nice. She was just like Belle, just the sweetest can be. I was like, I appreciate all of this. <laughs> this is the moment in my life where I like peaked. <laughs> I met Belle in real life. <laughs> I, like it's it's a wonderful feeling. It's the best, and she she really is a very nice person who. Um, I went to her and she, I said, what was your favorite line in the movie? That was what, that was the question I came up with. And she said, I'll whisper it into your ear. And she whispered into my ear, Gaston, you are positively primeval. And I just about died. I like, I I don't think I really even said anything after that. I was just like floored and I like kind of like walked away all like dewy eyed and I was like, oh my God. Um. She's, she's a, she's a champ. I love her. She's great. Um, but yeah, Beauty and the Beast, love it. Disney, all that good stuff. Uh, what is your number three film? Ghostbusters. Nice. It's got to be that midway point for me. Ghostbusters, I love it. Very classic, very funny. I mean, they're making adaptations of it now, so you know it's a very like so prime time type movie. 
I don't think it was appreciated back in the day as it should be now. They even made it into like a horror house for um, Halloween Horror Night. So, you know, Ghostbusters definitely up there. It's very funny. The green ghost kills me every time I see it because I'm like, what is that? It, looks like, it just looked like a booger. Every time I see the Michelin Man, I think of the ghost as well. So it's just like tiny things like that and like Ghostbusters. It's just everywhere. You never know if something's just going to come to life and like terrorize the town. It's fine. The, uh, I am the gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is good. Um, it's probably up there for favorite Bill Murray comedies of mine. And I think Harold Ramis is really good in that too. And I loved uh, in that first one when they he, he's like, you can't, like, like, like no matter if you think of something, then it'll come to life. And they're like, just don't think of anything. But then he thinks of the, the fucking the marshmallow man. And that's that I'll that when I first saw that, like when I was like six or whatever, that killed me. I thought that was hysterical. Um, but did you did you see the trailer for the new one they're doing? Yes, I have. I feel like it's not this one doesn't feel like a comedy this time. I feel like they're gonna try to go more so like not so much like supernatural aspect, but they're gonna go for more of like the ghouly yeah. stuff instead of like making scary fun. It felt like Stranger Things, but maybe that's just because that kid is in it. Right. Maybe like I, that's also too, because Stranger Things is so popular, it has a wide audience, they could just be trying to address that audience. Yeah, that's true. Try to get more eighties nostalgia. Well, I'm a Stranger Things fan. It's appreciated. Did you do the um haunted house in Universal? For Stranger Things or uh, Ghostbusters? Uh, for Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters, yes. Stranger Things, no. Was the Ghostbusters one any good? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's good. It seemed like people were... I, I, also, I had friends that were performers in there, so it was like... It was good, and then I also got to see like them doing what they loved, so it was more enjoyable in that aspect. Well, that's fun. Um, overall, it was good. They had... I think with what they can do with the little spaces that they have for these houses, I think the amount of work they put in to make them feel like you're actually in certain scenes is pretty awesome. I have never gone to the Halloween Horror Nights because I'm very scared of it. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm very nervous that I wouldn't be able to handle it. I'm not a horror person. And I still go. <laughs> like they're, they're fun. It's you. If you're more of a observant type person, you can see things coming at you before it even happens. Just listen for the screams, and then you know, like, okay, it's coming up, it's coming up, it's coming up. You can prep yourself for it. I and just, not be as terrified. <laughs> I feel like I'd be a ball of anxiety. I went, I went through one of them in uh, in Salem a couple of Halloweens ago, and like they started like chasing me with knives, and I was like, oh my, I was, I was just freaking out. I was like trying to run out of there as quick as I could. I was like the worst ten dollars I ever spent. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, that's good. I don't think. Uh, my number two film is ever going to have a universal uh, horror uh, exhibit. Although maybe it would. That would be kind of interesting if they did it. Um, my number two is Goodfellas. Uh, oh, okay. If they did a, a horror thing at Universal for that, it would kind of be geared towards the mafia. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe not what they're going for necessarily. But Goodfellas, it's my favorite from Martin Scorsese. Uh, he, it's just, it's really just kind of perfect storm of all things that that are great about the crime mobster genre like Joe Pesci's in it De Niro's in it uh 
Ray Liotta. It's like this great, like the it's like a great American story about the rise and fall of like these horrible people and like everything about it. Like there's like these iconic scenes, like the hoof on in the car with the dead body, and like the the eat, when they're eating at the the dinner. And obviously like the 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 camera going through the Copacabana. It's just it's just so like it's like a perfect story, and the way it's told has been like a guiding light for me as I try to tell my own stories because I feel like it's way more thematic than it is uh, plot heavy and to me Goodfellas is just you know it's one of the probably it's probably one of my 50 favorite movies ever if not even top 25 it's just really kind of everything that I could have wanted from a Scorsese mob epic that is like kind of perfect yeah that's very different like aspect and I do have to go back and watch it now and just put myself in the mind of you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, that's not a good idea. Uh, especially with Goodfellas, like to be in that mindset, like you have to be like empathizing with criminals, and like maybe it's not necessarily the best thing. But no, but then also like I do like you, so if I can empathize with Joe, I can empathize with mafia members. Well, then I, that's that, that's that's perfect then. Um, <laughs> What what is your number two movie that I will empathize with as well? The Goonies. That's classic. I love the Goonies. I will watch the Goonies anytime it comes on. I was so excited when I saw there was like a whole to it for at um, joysticks. I love the Goonies. I think it's a very funny film. Goonies never say die. <laughs> very classic. I went to to school with a kid that looked. Um, almost like Shane Austin. I was just like, <laughs> had my own little gooning life because he would recite lines regardless. Like, he'll just sit there and he'll just say whatever. I'm like, I freaking love every bit of this. And I was like 14 <laughs> and I appreciated it. I was like, yes, please keep the goonies in my life forever. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like pretty much, it's like a quintessential 80s movie. It's quintessential adventure. It's perfect. Uh, oh, yeah. It's in it's in my honorable mention. Uh, I had the Goonies in there. I think it's pretty perfect. Uh, I, I think it's hilarious. They, you know, they come across some really bad people, but then they end up with all this treasure, and the kid never doesn't have to move, and he can stay close to his friends and things like that. Like it's a very heartwarming ending, but the whole adventure itself was just so funny because like they're scared, but they were still very like witty and like sarcastic about things. I'm like, I love this because I feel like if I was terrified enough. Or in a situation like that, I would be so sarcastic with people because I'd be so stressed out. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's like the best coping mechanism is just to make jokes, uh, which we see from Corey Feldman. He's a. Uh, <laughs> and, um. Yeah, there's like Sean Astin, Josh Brolin. Uh, it's a great. It's a great group. I mean, it's pretty like it's kind of lightning in a bottle. Like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of Goonies ripoffs, but nothing's better than the Goonies themselves. No, and I feel like even Stranger Things try to go for like a Goonie thing, where it's just like it's kids, yeah, saving the day, and not so much like adults. Like it's more focused on like kids going through like actually like something that should be traumatic events. They're out here doing it, and they're like saving the world, saving the town, whatever. And I, I think it's cute. I think it's funny. I think that's also what draw me into Stranger Things was because I love Goonies so much. I'm like, all right, this is like the kids. Let's see what happens. And has like the same feel. They're very sarcastic, witty people, even in like times of danger. Like Dustin, I die every time. 
anytime Dustin opens his mouth, I know it's going to be something hilarious. I'm like, yes, Dustin, you have common sense. <laughs> oh, it's a great pick. Um, especially, like, when you're talking 80s movies, like, that's that's, where, that's what it's all about right there is the Goonies. Mm-hmm. The Goonies. Uh, well, I'll go right into my number one. Uh, it's from 1987. It just barely fit into my parameters that I set for myself. <laughs> it is also uh, the man who directed When Harry Met Sally, Rob Reiner, directed this one. It is a absolute gem. I love it with all my heart. It's The Princess Bride. It is just... It is based on the William Goldman novel about a man telling the story, uh, the fictional story of Princess Buttercup and uh, Wesley and Inigo Montoya trying to get revenge for his father and Fezzik the giant. And it's just, it's a great fantasy story and it's like a great like classic adventure um, with these like very def- well-defined and iconic characters, but it's also so tongue-in-cheek and very hilarious like every every scene is like not it like kind of subverts those uh sort of like robin hood or sinbad type movies from back in the day yeah uh like like when they when um when they're climbing up i think the when he's there he's known as um the the man in black is climbing up the cliffs of insanity and they're like having this like rat-a-tat dialogue he's like oh if should i help you like oh i never trust a spaniard and all this it's just it's just really like it's a great rewatchable. It's one of my favorites that's ever been made. I used to watch it with Kelly at the soup kitchen, and just <laughs> and I watched it with my dad. So there's a lot of fun fond memories. Uh, I've read the book like probably three or four times at this point. The Princess Bride is just it's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I adore it. I've read the book. I really haven't seen the movie. I just I don't know why it never intrigued me. I guess um, I probably should go see it though. To actually give me like appreciation to it, I I would I would give it a solid recommendation. All right, because you recommend it, I will do it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, what is your number one? Can't go wrong with a classic brat pack, brat pack movie, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club, the number one eighties movie. The number one eighties movie. I love The Breakfast Club. I think it's very like coming of age type thing, and it does relate even to high schoolers now. I think that's why it's so popular. Because, like, you have 16 Candles, like, Molly Ringwald's an amazing actress, and we have, you know, like, Judd Nelson and Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael, like, you have classic characters that actually, actors that work with each other in different movies consistently, but The Breakfast Club, it's just very funny, and it does, like, show you the world with everything, like, there is a stoner kid, there's a jock kid, there's a preppy girl there's a nerdy guy and like a quiet girl like it's actual cliques in high school too and it just kind of shows that like even like the strongest of cliques can form friendships with other people like there's no real need to be biased against each other and i i just love it i, I had i started attention once and like it was nothing like i wanted it to be it was not like the breakfast <laughs> club it's very depressing <laughs> i didn't even know they did sunday uh saturday detentions like for real they do at least down here they do they do if it's if it's like they can't do anything after school type thing or if they can't um do like in school suspensions like depending on what the school's actual availability is saturdays you just gotta go and spend like an hour there versus them spending like eight hours there 
Yeah, it they was stupid. I was like, all right, cool, I'm out. <laughs> they had they had a rough uh, Saturday. They had a very rough Saturday, too, and they, I'm pretty sure that half of them had more Saturdays to attend after that. Isn't there that one scene where like Judd Nelson pretty much like locks himself up in Saturday detention for the whole year? Yes. <laughs> that was always like, like I was such a. I was such a do-gooder back in elementary school. Like, I was so... In high school and all that. So I was, like, terrified of ever getting in trouble. So, like, that scene was, like, traumatizing to me. I was like, oh, my God, what's he doing? Oh, it's See, great, though. It's... I think I kind of relate to, like, Molly Ringwald's character in it. Yeah. Because I would, I was a goody two-shoe, but then also, like, stupid things get me in trouble. Like, for my... I was just... Um, chewing gum. That was what you because, got like, in the yeah, we had a very strict gun ban, um, ban in middle school. If you were caught chewing gum, you had attention. Jeez. Yeah. I think because kids were, like, them on the walls and the dust and stuff, and, like, the custodials got tired of it. So they're, like, if you're caught, even with, we had a ban on monsters. If you were caught with gum or monsters, you had detention. That's very harsh and strict. Very harsh and strict. And I'm, like, it's not that serious. It's stuff that, like, can be digested or spit <laughs> out. Like, what is wrong with this? But it's fine. I didn't care. Well, with the like, breakfast, that's the worst thing that's gonna happen to me. That's the worst thing that's gonna happen to me. Yeah, honestly, if you got like one hour of detention, your time in middle school, that's not too bad. No, it was just it was stupid. I was like, I thought it was gonna be like breakfast club. I thought I was gonna run through the hallways and stuff. I just sat there, <laughs> read a book, and then like a okay, times up. I'm like, this was the most ridiculous thing <laughs> of my entire life. You didn't form bonds with people that would last the rest of your life and change you forever. No. <laughs> no one talked to each other. They kept us because of the Breakfast Club. They kept us all separated. I will say that. I feel like they knew that people would terrorize the school if they had to the same tables. <laughs> well, if he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. Exactly. Like we all knew it, <laughs> but they kept us separated where we could be in each other's line of sight. It's a great pick, though, for sure. Like, I mean. Like when I when you first proposed the topic to me, it's literally the first movie I thought of. I ended up putting it as an honorable mention, but literally, like, um, it's just, it's honestly just perfect. Um, didn't fit into my time parameters, but it's great. Uh, I love. I think pretty much back in middle school, like pretty much from seventh grade on, every Christmas break, like the day before Christmas break, we'd watch it just because the teachers didn't want to do anything. That's like the go-to movie apparently is to watch that. Uh, Our go-to was Sandlot, so like Sandlot was my honorable mention, but no, they didn't air Brexit, but I think because they knew that we would rebel. <laughs> you don't want to incite <laughs> uh, the seeds of rebellion. Not at all. <laughs> it's um, but you can never go wrong with like, a John Hughes movie. John no. Hughes, he knew what he was doing. I mean, he has so many classics. Yeah, he did Christmas Vacation. There's uh, Home Alone, Ferris Bueller, like you said, Pretty in oh, Pink, yeah, Ferris Bueller, Sixteen Candles. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was great. Um, he was great. Do you have any other honorable mentions? Um, it wasn't really in my time frame, but like E.T., we got to throw up E.T. up in there. E.T. for sure. E.T., I appreciate E.T. I have like a weird story about E.T. I love the movie itself. Um, and I love the ride even more. And you know how at the end of the ride, E.T. will say your name? Yeah. Okay, well, I never give my real name. I always give my grandmother's name. Nice. Because when my grandfather fell one time, he, he was calling out to my grandmother. 
So now I do the same thing with E.T. I'll give my grandmother's name because it's what my grandfather sounded like when he fell. It was like Elaine. <laughs> but one here is like more of like a personal connection to the movie <laughs> and to the ride than it is to like anything else. I think it's a heartwarming thing. I think it's funny. You're, um, you're not one of those people. Definitely introduce, yeah, it definitely introduced sci-fi more to people. For sure. Yeah, and it's a big deal. It's a classic. It's a big deal. It's a classic. They even did a commercial for like Xfinity or something using um, Harry Thomas and they did E.T. again and stuff. So I'm like, it could be a potential of doing a second film. Why not Steven Spielberg? Let's do this. Yeah, they can use all the yeah, puppets from from the second half of the ride. They can go to the, his planet. Exactly. Like, the show is his planet. It's not like people understand what his planet's like. Because <laughs> you get there and you're like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what E.T.'s home life is like. Let's open that up. I always loved that part of it where it was like, because, like, every ride, like, like from Peter Pan's flight to like the modern day, most rides will just take you through like the plot of a movie, and then the ET ones like the first half is the movie, and then the second half you're like, what the hell is going on? Where are we? It's like basically the after afterwards. Like my friend <laughs> thinks like we call it a talking mushroom. She thinks the talking mushroom is saying, "Welcome home, you will die." Oh. Instead, "Welcome home, you arrived." Well, I would have so to like, listen to that. <laughs> listen to it next time you come down here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's so funny to me, and. When it happens, it's just kind of like like figment when they, in imagination, when they like bring the walls down, it's like big bright colors everywhere. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> that's my feeling when I go into. I'm like, why don't we know who these people are? Like, what these other extraterrestrial forms are like? Like, let's bring out and like understand why ET wanted to go home so dang on bad. There was this great tweet I saw where um, when they announced the Hagrid roller coaster. And I think it was Tom Felton uh, who was doing it. And he was walking through, like, Hagrid's Enchanted Forest. But it looked like the fucking, the forest that Spielberg walks in, in the pre-show. And it, it just said, hi, I'm Steven Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was, it's, I love the inside humor like that. It's perfect. Um, E.T., any other honorable mentions? Um, we got the Star Wars up there. Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars Return of the Jedi. That's a classic. That's a classic. You know, it's the gold bikini version of Leia. So, and then also when like her and Hans profess themselves, and you know, Luke loses his hand. And like, spoiler alert: if you guys haven't seen it, go see it. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, very sorry about all the spoilers. <laughs> but, like, if you're a true Star Wars fan, you already know. Absolutely. Uh, I'll shout out some. Uh, a few good men I put in my honorable mentions: uh, Point Break, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Home Alone, Big, mm-hmm. Dirty Dancing, and Planes, oh. Trains, and Automobiles. Yes, Dirty Dancing and Big and Planes, Trains, Home Alone. I got so sick and tired of this year. Like I just really didn't want to look at it. Yeah, <laughs> they played it way too much for me. Home Alone and Home Alone Two was played too much on every like station. At least at work, I would come off, go on to break, go in the break room. There was home alone. I'm like, I'm tired of this kid being lost <laughs> in New York. I'm tired of this kid trying to protect his house. Like, can we we have other Christmas movies, guys? Please. Got to the point where we just turn the TV off because we're all like sick and tired of it. I definitely see how that can be one that you can get sick of pretty quick because like, there's only so much you can take of that horrible mean family. Yeah, and then I question like, how 
what does this man do for a living? How do I do this? How do I find a man like this for him to pay for a whole <laughs> vacation for like 16 people? I need to know. <laughs> All like this first class flight to Paris with a view of the Eiffel Tower and the hotel room they're staying yes. in. It's crazy. I need to know what he's doing. I need that <laughs> in my life. Yeah, it's very unclear what this family's uh, careers are. Very clear. They don't talk about it. How can you afford nine kids? Because no one can afford nine kids unless they have money, money. I need to know what he's doing. Is he a drug dealer? <laughs> is he like a CEO? Like, what is he doing? Maybe they're like in cahoots with uh, the wet bandits and they're like fucking Maybe. them up. Maybe. Maybe they are. Maybe that's why they're trying to steal because they, Kevin McAllister's dad screwed up and that's what. Ooh, see, different plot twist right there. Kevin McAllister's dad was in uh, The Sopranos who, with a, a family that was notorious for having dirty money, so you never know. You never know. Like, like It could just be like a different spinoff. It's just like, he's part of the mafia still. Yeah, I mean, Joe Pesci, he's in there. He's involved as well. I think there's something to this. There's something to this. They were <laughs> secretly trying to tell us. They're, they're, they're trying to tell us all along that the, the McAllister family had disgusting amounts of money <laughs> annoying like disgusting amounts of money like it was just bad money oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well this is uh i think we just talked about so many amazing movies and there's still a lot more that like haven't been discussed but that's just because they're classics that are personal to other people yeah you can't you can't mention them all nope I will say, though, I typed um, my list into Google just so I wouldn't forget it. And uh, if you apparently type in Christmas Vacation, When Harry Met Sally, Beauty and the Beast, Goodfellas, and The Princess Bride, if you type those all in together, what comes up in your Google search is Ella Enchanted, for whatever reason. <laughs> Maybe one of the actors is in Ella Enchanted? There must be some or kind maybe of... Maybe Ella Enchanted was like trying to combine everything into one? I mean, I definitely missed uh, the Goodfellas angle of Ella Enchanted. <laughs> I mean, the the uncle was kind of shady, so like... Yeah, that's true. That could be it. <laughs> well, we'll look into that for sure. Um, look into that. We're going to analyze <laughs> these films now. Yeah, by the time this episode comes out, I will have a full report. <laughs> well, Courtney, you're always welcome here, and... Thank you so much for talking 80s and 90s movies with me. Thank you for having me.